0: Thank you for joining me for this episode of God Talk. And I apologize. I was not able to put an episode out last week. I was uh, doing my proud parent duties and I was at my son's graduation from Vanderbilt in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, There are some interesting things that I could do podcasts on in Nashville, Tennessee, Uh, but um, that might come for a future podcast or probably uh, bits and pieces will come out in upcoming sermons. But uh, I wanted to be sure to get a podcast out today. And what's kind of been on my mind for the last uh, few weeks, especially this week, is just the, the continued decline of the church in America. And, and it's really becoming hard to even define and determine what the church is. Um, it, it's always been, well, it hasn't always been, but there was always, from time to time, a church that was an outlier that did something that made you think, how do they think this is good? How do they think this is right or appropriate? How does this somehow represent uh, faith in, in God and the truth of the Bible and so forth? But those things aren't rare anymore. Um, in fact, it just seems like it's becoming more and more common that uh, churches are doing things that make you just really wonder, how is this Christian? And is it Christian at all? And the answer is really no to that. Um, I had a couple members text me or email me a couple different things this week, and uh, which is bringing this topic to mind. The first is uh, I had a member yesterday email me, and uh, she was really struggling because she found herself having to engage in a long conversation, an hour-long debate, if you will, um, explaining how she can be part of a Lutheran church when Lutherans are so liberal. They don't follow the Word of God, and, and, and they're unbiblical. Well, that's not the part of, of Lutheran that we're a part of. And what's confusing to people is there's different Lutheran denominations in America. There's different Baptist denominations. There's different Presbyterian denominations. There's different Methodist denominations now in America. There's different Anglican denominations in America. And these splits happen a lot of times based upon if you believe the Bible is the literal word of God and if you're theologically conservative or if you're not. And uh, and what people think is just because you have the name Lutheran in your name, then you're the same as the liberal Lutherans. And that's not the case at all. Where I had to share with her, I know it's confusing, but we are no more, there's not this umbrella that we're all under and we all get along. They just choose, that's how they've named their church body. And there's no more in common between us and them than there is between us and the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, or us and the Mormons, or us and Catholics. I mean, these are different denominations. In some cases, um, some of these others are Christian cults, and we don't have anything in common with them. And it's just becoming a frustration of mine that liberal Christianity is really hijacking uh, what it means to be a Christian, that for the rest of us, if we share anything in common in terms of a name, or it sounds like a common name, that we get identified in those groups. And That's why, honestly, shortly after we moved into our facility 20 years ago, the liberal Lutheran branch in America started going off the deep end, and I didn't want to be associated with them at all. So I'm literally having someone you know, 30 feet, 40 feet up in the air hold on to my ankles as I'm leaning over the side of the building, yanking down the the word Lutheran off the side of the building for this very reason that I know people can't differentiate and, and don't know enough to know that that we share nothing in common with uh, the liberal church that calls themselves the evangelical Lutheran Church in America. No no connection whatsoever, no umbrella whatsoever. And, and I, I've just been on a tangent for honestly my whole ministry that we have to have a, 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 um, a new awakening in the church. We need to uh, have a, a new reformation. There needs to be new creeds in which we begin to be very clear that these liberal churches who are Christian only in name, uh, that that's not Christian, and and that uh, you can't identify these non-Bible believing church bodies with Bible believing church bodies, and one's Christian and one's not, and that needs to be made clear. Now, those are kind of the fringe elements, but when we even look into what we would consider Bible believing churches, um, there's a lot of, uh, um inappropriate stuff going on in them as well nowadays as uh people are just really desiring to try to get butts and seats and uh and grow their churches uh they'll they'll do all kinds of things to uh to make that happen uh there's a church that you would guess by driving by it is very mainstream in this area but their billboards certainly don't indicate that uh i've talked about them before in sermons uh that they uh they would have billboards of, uh, we like to have fun, and that's how they advertise their church. And it's like, where do you see that in Jesus' words, and where do you see that in the Bible? Well, uh, I had a member this week share me a picture of their most recent billboard, and it says this. God wants you to have a marriage spicier than Tex-Mex. This is her billboard for for, for the church. God wants you to have a marriage spicier than than Tex-Mex. And that's Keystone Church in Southlake. And once again, beautiful church. It it looks very Bible-based mainstream, but let let me ask you, what are the biblical points of reference that God wants us to have a spicy marriage? There's a lot of things that he says about marriage, about godly men and godly women, but having a spicy marriage, uh, having a, a, you know, if that's alluding to uh, spicy sexual marriage—that I mean, great—but that's not one of the things that's mentioned in Scripture that makes a good marriage. And 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 to use God in that, right? God wants you to have a marriage spicier than Tex-Mex. Here, here's the deal: like when I do when I do sermons or funeral services, I, I don't like I don't say God's gonna this and God's gonna that. I don't promise people into heaven and I don't promise people in hell. Why? Because I I don't like to write checks that like can't be cashed. And and so all I can judge is by a person's outward behavior. But but God can figure out who the true believers are and the ones who are truly going to be saved. And and so, you know, we preach that, you know, this person have faith in Christ and and faith in Christ gives eternal life. Absolutely. But I, I don't say God this or God that because I don't decide for God. I don't think for God. I, I can't judge people's hearts. And, and honestly, when you when you say God's name this way, where you say God wants you to have a spicier marriage than Tex Mex, you're you're literally taking God's name in vain. And, and this is something culturally we have no sensitivity to. The amount of people that are constantly saying "Oh my God" or "God" with uh, the cuss word at the end of it, or or God. God put this on my heart, or God told me to tell you this, or God wants you to have a spicy marriage, uh, spicier than Tex-Mex or whatever. That's all taking his name in vain. It's ascribing to God things that he does not say, or he has not said, or he may very well not have said, uh, and and just assigning it to him. Uh, and, and you can't do that with God's name. You know, of all the commandments, taking the Lord's name in vain is is the only one that, that comes with uh, a punishment, a curse, uh, specifically attached to it. And it says that God will not hold anyone blameless who misuses his name. And so you've got in, um, in Jewish culture, uh, in biblical days, they would write God's name in a way it couldn't be pronounced. God's name only had consonants. The, the equivalent was like just if you're going to write God's name and it was just the G and the D, uh, and you left out the O and you would do that so you, you couldn't pronounce it. Well, that, that's how the Jews would write God's name so that you wouldn't inadvertently say it and you know, as you're reading and say it in a wrong way or, or, or take it in vain. They, they, they revered the name of God. And it's just not that way in our culture today. In our culture, we have no fear when it comes to the name of God. Because like I said, we we use it in cuss words, we use it in expressions. And when we have an idea, we like to say God told us to say it. It's just, it's all blasphemy. And, And if I can give any kind of encouragement to anyone out there, it's be careful in how you use God's name. If you're not praying to him and you're not talking about him, you're probably misusing his name and don't do it. It's it's just, it's a serious, serious sin. His name is holy and it's set apart. And so what we've got is we, we've got a part of Christianity that doesn't even care about the Bible. They don't really recognize the scriptures. They don't believe in the truth of the scriptures. And then you've got another part of Christianity that, you know, they, they claim to really teach the scriptures and preach the scriptures, but you know that they're they're about really having fun which is really what six flags is about you know it's kind of like six flags saying we really love church or we do church well you don't go to six flags to to go to church and you don't go to church to have fun but but that's what it's become here in america and and then you know these these phrases where we think we're cute you know god wants us to have a spicier marriage than tex mex what they're really doing this is what it's about is that like all these large churches, they'll they'll preach sermon series and, and do things on what's called heartfelt needs. In other words, what do people really, what do they struggle with? And that's what we're going to talk about. So marriage and family are always at the top. Now there might not be anything uniquely Christian about that to talk about it in, in that message series, but that's what they're going to do because they knows that that's going to draw people in. There's a lot of people who do not have a spicy marriage and they're Seeing that this church says that, that that's what God wants, well, if that's what God wants, that's what I want want to get. So all of a sudden, you're not going to church for the salvific message of the cross, for the, for the atonement of, of the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, that we've been made right with the Father. You're going because well, you're hoping that by going, you know, maybe your spouse will learn a few lessons and you'll get a uh, you know a, a spicy uh, marriage out of it or something. It's it's absolutely horrible. You know, one thing that has really opened my eyes is how the church today is so accepting of dysfunction. In the same way like in families, we're so incredibly accepting of dysfunction. You know, just don't rock the boat. Just, you know, let the person be. That's kind of how we've become in the church. We we, we allow these other very liberal churches that don't even that don't even believe that the Bible is the word of God. We allow them to stay in part of, as part of the church. We don't attack them. We don't uh, separate ourselves from them. They're just like the crazy uncle that, you know, when people come over, they're going to hear him say something stupid, but we kind of hope that people figure out that they're crazy and, and, and we don't do anything about it. That's how we've become as a church and it's horrible and it's wrong. Um, What's interesting in my New Testament class I've been teaching over the last couple months, the early church wasn't that way. In the early church, when when people started saying things that were heretical or not unbiblical or just out and out wrong, they were viciously attacked by uh, people that were maintaining the the truth and the teachings of the church. And that was so incredibly necessary if you were going to preserve orthodoxy. If the church ever stood a chance of growing strong, you couldn't allow these diseases to come into the young sapling, that is the church that was growing. But here's the problem. Now the church is mature. And, you know, may, maybe for a period of time, the church was strong enough that it thought it could handle, you know, some disease coming on some of its branches, and it's not the end of the world. Well, I'm here to tell you that the mat- the tree is so mature, just like any tree that is, is extremely mature uh, are humans, right? When, when you get to the end of your life, you're susceptible to flu and, and illness and disease, and even more so vulnerable than what you were when you were a baby and you're developing your immune system but as a baby it was even much more robust than what it is an elderly and so the church has become elderly you can think of it as a as an old tree and and there's all of these diseases that are on that tree all these uh, false teachings and it's really attacking the the vitality in the life of the tree and we're not spraying it we're not dealing with it. We're not doing anything about it. And ultimately, it's going to kill the tree. It, it really will. And, uh, and I don't. We, we need one or two things to happen. We either need Jesus to come because we're going to kill the tree. Or once again, we need to have a reformation. We need to have a time in which uh, the church um, pushes back on these false teachings that we, we come up with some modern creeds you see the creeds were originally in there to uh, to say what it is we did believe uh, versus all the things false teachings that other people were believing we need a creed that says the Bible is uh, the inerrant Word of God and and you know what if churches aren't going to believe that the Bible is the, the Word of God without error well then they're they're not uh, hetero- orthodox they're heterodox they are false teaching churches and if you go there uh, you 're not going to a Christian church. we have to take that stand if the world is going, going to continue and the church is going to continue. We have to start taking that stance. We need to start spraying the tree the the, the Christian tree, the tree of Christ, uh, and rid it of all the diseases that we 've just looked the other way. It is a matter of life and death of the church it 's a matter of the life and death of of, of our children and of our grandchildren because they're not gonna be able to get the nourishment from the tree of life, uh, the tree of Christ, because it is diseased and, and it will not put out that nourishment that they need to be sustained. They will, they will die on the branches of a, a corrupt and, uh, and, and tree that does not represent uh, the body of Christ any longer. Um, gonna be a lot more to talk about on, on this. And I think really as Christians, And as a church, we need to start taking the lead on some of this stuff and uh, and just start speaking the truth on some of this stuff and and opening people's eyes to the false teachings that are out there, Um, not just in the crazy uncle type uh, churches, but in churches that look from the outside to be very uh, Bible-based and very mainstream. But when you actually get into their teachings, it's not that at all. Thank you for joining me for this episode of God Talk, and I look forward to talking to you next week. God bless and have a great day.